when you're fishing is it's being conscious of what you're actually doing instead of saying oh i'm going fishing i'm going to cast out there and hopefully fish takes me it's actually right i've cast there my fly is now at this depth it's at the bottom oh it's too deep you know little things like that it's just actually knowing what you're doing as you're fishing instead of just randomly casting and and chucking away you know Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. You might remember we covered the Feeps Moot World Fly Fishing Championships back in September with daily updates from Ireland team captain Deck Conlon. And one of the star performers from the tournament was a young angler by the name of Sean Dempsey. Sean joins us on this week's show to give us some real insights into the elite level of fly fishing and what he's learned from the leading countries such as France, Spain and the Czechs. And Tom, before we hear from Sean, we've said it before in the show, you might not be into competition fishing, which I'm not, but there's still so much we can learn from the top anglers. <laughs> Good man, Dara. Yeah, I mean, Bob has said this before, I've said this myself, that, you know, competition angling might be your cup of tea, but quite often we all benefit from it. Um, you know, you look at certain patterns that work on the lake here for the trout, on uh, lock style, and, you know, they've evolved from guys chopping and changing and trying out new things for um, uh, different materials, different patterns, and it's the same in the rivers. You know, I mean, the famous lobs now that we all know, uh, <laughs> as christened by George. I mean, like, you know, that has come across from uh, European competition fishing. Um, so, you know, it, it, it benefits us benefits us all. And, you know, all right, competition fishing is never everybody's cup of tea. And, it, yeah, I know it's not yours, but, you know, it's still, we still can all get something out of it. Come here, have you actually ever fished a competition? Never. I'm barely I'm barely able to I'm barely able to get out fishing these days. Never mind competition fishing, you know. Stop. You've seen me fishing. I wouldn't be able to now. You you did mighty that that day we're up. Of the one day we were able to get out. I don't know if you're taking the piss now or not. (laughs) I love when I've achieved that. <laughs> I, I love when I've achieved that status where people turn to me and go, Are you pulling the piss out of me or not? <laughs> <laughs> you did well that day. You did, you did. Good yeah. guys. Good yeah, guys. Good guys. Apart from the few lost on the dries now, that's still. Yeah. Yeah. But they were coming I'll a bit. Have to come, yeah. back. have to come back for yeah. that. But you did get one. You, yeah. you did nail one on the dries at the end, though. You did. Jeez, I forgot yeah, you about did, that you one. Did nail one on yeah, the but it's the two pounder. I've, it's the two pounder. I keep coming back to that. Yeah, I missed. yeah. I haven't. You were like, it's there, it's there, and I was like, what? What? I haven't forgotten about. Stop shouting at me. I haven't forgotten about that one, and I'll never, never bring it up again if you're in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Until I catch the three pounder. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's just I wouldn't be Jesus. I wouldn't. But like I said, it's trying to even get out fishing yeah. for me, like. I hope Bodo Funk isn't listening to this because I have a pike fishing day booked in with Bodo next week. Touch wood, Bodo. I'll, I'll be there. What day are you out? The day of the storm, is it? <laughs> the day of the storm. It's yeah. literally like uh, the storm just follows God, yeah. the tracking of the storm. So God almighty. So anyway, fingers crossed the next time I'll be chatting to you about a bit of pike yeah, fishing. Hopefully you will get out. Hopefully you will get out. Yeah, no, um, I'm completely, as you know, I'm completely for the oil competitions, but uh, another thing that I didn't touch on there, and Sean mentions it when we're talking to him later, and it's the social side of it. It's not just the competing side. I mean, it's the amount of people you meet at it, you know? Now, I have to say, I mean, I've made some great, great, great buddies out of out of competition fishing. You know, you step into the boat 
of a morning with somebody you've never met before. And by the end of the day, you're just cracking up laughing the various, you know? But you, but you, for you though, Tom, must be at that stage, like, you must go to a competition in Ireland and you just know everyone. Like, Yeah, I suppose at, the, at this much. stage, you will, uh, yeah, at this stage, and you'd know people to see or whatever. Yeah. But there's always, it's like going in down to your local, no, like, you know, not there yet. You yes, might go to a competition and it could be somebody, should we say, who's never fished a competition before and is just trying it for the first mm. time. And that's great too, you know? So, yeah, it's well because it can be intimidating, and I think, in fairness, like Sean describes, you know, he was, and it come we bring it back to we've said it before in the show, um, great club with mm. a good active youth yeah. section. Like he was brought up doing competitions from a young age, and he didn't know any yeah. different. Yeah, and I think that's probably the way to do it. And you see, and it's another thing that you should look at as well of what people people might be giving out about competitions. It it does give a nice element to the youth side of it. It gives them something to to go for, to aim for. You know, and something to look forward for, and it has obviously worked with him. And as you said, uh, fair play to the club who was coosing. Uh, they had a good youth yeah. policy, and coupled as well with the, with the parents that that took him out. You know, but the interesting thing when you talk to somebody like Sean and somebody like yourself is, and this is why I'm not a competition angler, is I go out to, a if I can get out, yeah. just to get out. You know, and and just being by the river is just a bonus in itself. Catching fish is another bonus on top of that sean talks about when he goes fishing he goes with a plan he's there to do something <laughs> yeah. he's there to there's a tactic yeah. there's something he's going to try and catch a fish it's he's a thinking angler and the best anglers always are there it is a jigsaw there that there's a puzzle to be worked out and that's the difference i think between those the best anglers the better anglers than the pleasure anglers like myself, like who just like, ah, oh, I'm out. Happy days. If I catch, okay, I have a bit of a plan. <laughs> you know, it might work. It might not, but you know, anglers like yourself, Sean are there, right? This is, we're doing this for a reason. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and that's why, you know, he's at one of the, up in the top 12, finishing the world championship on a second go. But you know, that's what he gets from it. But you know, this, and this is the beauty of it. And I always say it, you get something else from your bit of pleasure fishing. Do you know? Yep. At somebody else, you know, somebody else, their whole thing might be fly time. And all they'll get for yep. it is, you know, if they catch a fish on their fly. And that's yep. their thing. And we all take something different. You know, if somebody, as long as they're not harming you and they're happy with that, let them off. As long as they're happy. As Owen Harris said, it's a broad church. All are welcome. <laughs> when he was talking about the Sunday Independent. <laughs> that's another rabbit hole I'm not going to go down. Well, this week. No, not this week. <laughs> I think I might just delve into that a bit further. Maybe next week. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> but back to fly fishing and this week's guest, Sean Dempsey. And I first asked Sean about his recent involvement in the World Championships in Slovakia. It can be quite intimidating. You know, there's the, the best of the best from all over the world. Um, a lot of anglers take part. Um, and then you're fishing a venue that you haven't been. I, well, I haven't been there before. And we have very little practice, um, different species we don't have here. Um, so it can be very intimidating, um, but it's also great. You know, you get to experience new things, new species, um, kind of different methods for different fish. Um, so it's kind of a bit of both, you know. Is it kind of one of those, that, you know, when you're kind of in a championship like that, like that you're so focused on it? That you nearly don't enjoy it. It's only kind of after the event, you know. That you, or yeah. do you find your? Did you find yourself in the middle of it, kind of going, "Okay, stop, appreciate what you're doing and where you were." No, I found like in in the practice days, um, 
you can kind of soak it in a bit more. Um, you have a bit more time, you can kind of experience it properly. But I find for me, once the competition starts, it's a blur. Um, it kind of it all turns into one long day. Um, you're tired, you're on the go constantly. Um, but it's great fun. Yeah, you find yeah, yourself ultimately. going into an automatic shot. It can be, yeah. 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 You kind of, you get up, your breakfast, you go fishing, you get back, you tie flies, you get ready, you go again. And, and you're get and you're getting a bit of a buzz, a bit of a rush as soon as you're going out onto the beat, aren't you? Yeah. 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 So you step off that bus um, or onto your beat and you're looking, it's, yeah, you're, you're in comp- competition mode. Yeah. Are you kind of holding your breath until you catch that first fish to get, yeah. get that, you yeah, know, yeah, landed and calm the nerves and, and yeah. down a bit. Yeah. But, but there, there can be sessions where you're only looking for one or two fish. And when it comes to that, you need to chill out and fish and kind of not get into your head about, I need to be catching 20, 30, 40 fish. Um, you know, Slovakia was, was, was more in numbers. You weren't looking at that. Uh, that was kind of more of Spain championships, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of different than where you are. Is it mental then a lot of the respects? It can be. Yeah, it definitely can be. Because, like you said, you, you know, you're trying to tell yourself just fish. You know, it's you sometimes kind of have to. You can be too kind of stressed out thinking about numbers, and sometimes you just kind of have to remind yourself what you can do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it can be. It can be definitely. Um, and sometimes you can get too focused on catching the f- the fish, especially in a numbers game, and catching what is there. If you know there's a fish rising, and you can't get them, you could spend too much time trying to get them. Right. Whereas if you yeah. walk three foot forward, there's a whole another range of fish in front of you. And forget um, that guy. Forget that exactly. guy. Put him yeah. away. Well, come here. Yeah. And I remember, I remember uh, Deck was telling us, and I was going to ask him, but it's much better to ask you. He saw you, he was looking at you at one beat, and you hooked into a phenomenally big grayling. Oh, and yeah. You, because <laughs> you're, you're, what tip were you on? Uh, 0. 0.08. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah. Uh, I think I actually have some on the table here. What's that yeah. in old money? And it's uh, very long. <laughs> what is it? One, one kg. Is one two kg. Point 2.2 pounds. Yeah. So it's light. <laughs> yeah. So and I remember him describing how you could, you were only able to just inch the fish back really slowly. But was it in your mind then? Am I yeah. wasting time on this fish? It was. It was, yeah. Um, but yeah. You kind of hope, like I remember, I remember I hooked into him and I was right at the limit of my yeah. beat and he just went straight downstream into the beat below me and there's nothing you can do. You can't pull him up. You just apply the pressure as much as I could and hold on. And I kind of gave myself, I was kind of giving myself just a couple of minutes to see if I could get him in. I think at one point he got just close enough to maybe have a swipe, but he was gone back downstream before I could get him in the net. And then in the end, he just popped off. I didn't even break; just came right. off. Right, he just he just came off. Yeah. And he asked, yeah. "What estimates? What length was he? Fifty? Do you think?" I did. I didn't see him. <laughs> Deck saw him. Oh. Deck was behind me up up high on, on a bank, and uh, no, I I never saw him. How long did you have him on before you lost him? It felt like an hour, but no, it, it was <laughs> um, three three four minutes. Yeah. I think maybe not even that. I have the big, in my, I have in my head the picture of, you know, the anglers of the world championships, they land a fish and they're practically flinging it in, you know what yeah. I mean? To land it like and flicking it off like again, you know, that kind of way. Like, well, that's normally it. It's, it's a couple of seconds. 
Mm. You know, it, yeah. like 30 seconds could be a, a long fight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when you hook a big one, you're kind of wondering what do you do? Do you, do you just break and keep going or, or try and fight him and get him in? And in a situation like that, actually, forgive my ignorance on this, um, like you were saying, Dak is there. And you were saying about, you know, do you focus on one fish? Do you move on? Like you were saying, Tom, do you have like a team captain or people there that to advise you? Or is there any coaching or any help allowed yeah. on the bank? There is your team captain can talk to you. Right. Uh, and he can he can tell you, well, not tell you what to do, but he can give you advice. Yeah. OK, so uh, he can be there saying, listen, give up that stretch there, move on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or I just saw a fish up, you know, fifty yards up. There right. could be a few, yeah. and it was little things like that. Oh, okay, I didn't, um, didn't realize that. So there, you yeah, can help. and it, it does it does help. So uh, I was just going to ask you. So the um, the one we've just done, Slovakia, was your third one. So your your first, where yeah. was your first senior worlds? Uh, Tasmania. Tasmania. Nice. Yeah. No, lovely. Yeah. yeah what was that a- like? And what was that like? And I, I, not Tasmania itself, but what was the feeling like on your first world going out on your first session in a in a senior world championships? We what age were you? So. Yeah, actually, yeah. What age? Uh, that was 2019. 24 years ago. 20, 20, so you're 24. Yeah. 24, yeah. 25, 24. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was, it was kind of fantastic. Um Fantastic going there, getting in training. But then when you remember getting at the beat and just thinking, crap, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of all it, you know, there's a lot of preparation, a lot of build up, um, a lot of traveling to get there. Mm. And then it was go time. And I think it lasted about five, 10 minutes before the session. And I was kind of like jittery and nervous. And, mm. but as soon as that whistle goes or your controller tells you, yeah, it's gone, it's yeah. gone. And you're trying to focus in. And how did you do? I did okay. Uh, what was I? Fortieth, I think. We had three lakes and two rivers, and yeah, in the rivers, you know, you had your dries, your nymphs. I think we used wets in one of them as well. There was a couple of rainbows knocking about in some of the beats. Um, but then the, there was three lakes, and the lakes were quite different. Um, you had your pulling setups and kind of sinking lines and um, damsel lures and humonguses and that type of stuff. Um, and then you could get fish on your normal Irish wets, claret dabblers, that sort of stuff. Um, and then I remember fishing a bung um, in one of the lakes. There was uh, these black mayfly that were hatching um, and they're pretty cool. They're kind of like a large lake olive, but pretty much black um, or a dark brown. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was it was just kind of, you know, we had a long travel to get there um, and we needed a, quite a lot of gear to be ready for the kind of range of fish that was ahead of us. Yeah, it sounds like you need a lot there. I mean, like you're talking all the different methods, even on the lakes alone. But like, what was it like? Like, let's say you just come from fishing, let's say Ireland. Were there many mm. similarities with Tasmania, or was it all completely alien? No, yeah, no, very, very similar. Yeah. Um, well, definitely similarities. You know, um, you you could. I know one of the Scottish guys won a session on I think traditional wet Irish wet flies. Right. Just pulling them, pulling them back on, I think it was a floating line or thereabouts. It's it's similar and and just a little bit different, if you get me. You know, they are yeah. brown trout. <laughs> you know, there's there was rainbows as well, but in the end, kind of a, a brown trout here is very similar 
to brown trout somewhere else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. there there, yeah. there is techniques, there is differences, but I do find it can be quite similar. And were any of the sessions from a drifting boat, Sean? Yeah, the three lake the, sessions. The, the three of them were all from a drifting boat? The three of them, yeah. Wow, so th there was no bank sessions, they were all from a drifting boat? All from a drifting boat, yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. And the boats were a little bit different. I think there was one session where the boats were kind of like similar to our setup, but mm. they, were, they were these big, high-powered, carpet-floored boats, kind of bass, you know, yeah. those bass kind of fishing boats, yeah. Um, it was different fishing out of them, but but it was it was fantastic. And, and we also had a kind of a, a wide range of, of weather conditions. We were snow and sleet and rain and wind. Um, and then in the lower kind of altitude um, on the river sessions, you had kind of 15, 20 degree weather. Still windy, but it was a different, you know, between the different levels. What was Spain like, Sean? Spain was uh, brilliant. It, it was, yeah, but it, it was just really really good um i didn't think it would be as good as it was um i was kind of picturing very 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 tough river fishing um but it wasn't as tough as i thought it was going to be um and it was it was good really good and come here was it all rivers in spain um four rivers and one lake one bank venue um which was a bit different it was small small rainbows like kind of the 22 to 30 centimeter type fish, mm. um, which act very different than the larger rainbows that we would catch here in Ireland. What was your favorite of the, the three worlds, Sean? And what, what did you find? Which one did you find the most challenging, actually? Most challenging was probably Tasmania because of being the first one, yeah, and uh, well, the first senior one, um, and then needing to go that far with quite a lot of gear. I think it was the most challenging. Um, but Slovakia was also had its challenges in in trying to be prepared for grayling. You know, we don't mm. we don't have them over here. Uh, how many times? How many times had you fished for grayling before? Three times, four times. <laughs> yeah, not not, not much. Yeah, that's... I, I was in for the youth world championships. I was in France, and they had some grayling now. We definitely weren't targeting them. They were kind of a bycatch, yeah. uh, just as you were fishing for your brown trout. But um, I experienced them there. I experienced them in Poland at a youth world championships, um, and then a couple of trips to the the Welsh D. Nice. Uh, and that's that's it. It's not a, not a huge amount of time. On talk to me about you know the how the Czechs, the French, the Spanish dominate um you know when you see these guys that the kind of angler is like the elite of the elite mm. would you be kind of stealing the <laughs> trying to catch a, a, a steal of a glance over at how they're fishing you know in terms of what we we can learn from that kind of level yeah well all the the kind of the modern techniques come from these countries these these guys but i think it's their ability and and how well they do comes from not just the gear and the techniques and the equipment, but how they operate and teamwork, working together to figure out all these little things that make us catch more fish. You know, you can have kind of the best rod in the game, but if you can't use it. 
If you're a fly tire or want to get into fly tying, then this is for you. Ireland on the Fly have teamed up with Fulling Mill to give away a box of fly tying materials with free shipping to one lucky listener each week. With more than 1,400 products to choose from, each perfectly packed by hand, their new range of fly tying materials warrants closer inspection. From dozens of exciting new dubbings, chenilles, yarns and wools, to perfectly prepared and packaged marabou, zonkers, deerbelly and bucktail, the range is going down a storm. So, to be in with the chance of winning the £50 worth of materials, just answer the following question. What country were the 2023 World Fly Fishing Championships held in? Email your answer to info at irelandonthefly.com and we will announce the winner on next week's show. And congrats to William Hamilton, who is the latest winner. William will be in touch. Sean, how did you get so good? Mm. You fished Leinster, um, you know, you've fished all the way up, you're, you're, you've done your third worlds um how does one get to that level what tell us give us an insight into how you got into it in the first place yeah well my dad got me into it at a young age um into fishing i think when i was four or five or six very young but fly fishing when i was 10 9 10 something like that um but very soon through our, our club coosin anglers um and our youth officer in Cousin getting involved with the Irish youth team, um, I kind of got exposed to competition fishing very young. Um, and I just absolutely love it. Um, so I'd be doing it I, I, as many days as I can get out, I will. <laughs> Is it the competition element that really kind of hit home for you? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It is and it isn't. I love I love the competitions. Um, I love competing in them. The, just the whole aspect of everyone getting together, um, fishing them. It's it's just kind of what I've always done from a young age. I was you know it was a social outing as well at at the youth level. You know you get out, you meet people. Um, but obviously you know I, I, just, I think that I, yeah I think that's a very important word that you say there, and I, I've always said that as well, Sean. I couldn't agree with you more. It's the social side of it. I mean, as you yeah. said there, from, from when you were started as as the with the, in the youth competitions and you got out and you got to meet other like-minded uh, young lads and young girls with the same interests mm. as yourself, you know? And, and I think it's great, actually. It's great um, great testimony for the youth angler, the youth angling scene within your own club in Coosin that brought you along yeah. and gave you that chance. And, you know, the scene that flourish now and, and develop into this. So yeah, but um, and also and also Tom as well. I think as well as Sean, the fact that you're introduced to the competition element from a young age. Yeah, you kind of nearly don't know any different. It's not like you've fished 10, 15 years. You're twenty years of age, whatever. You're in your twenties, and it's like, do you want to try a competition? Oh no, geez, I've never done that. You know, it's kind of you're nearly too late. You know the kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're a teenager or a kid, it's like here, come along to the competition. You know, no different. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Come here, Sean. What do you like now on, let's say, pleasure fishing? Uh, What's that? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I definitely do go pleasure fishing, but I kind of will always have my own goals of what I want to accomplish if I go. Um, it's a bit different. If I'm going maybe spent fishing, then I'm going spent fishing. I'm not really, I'm not practicing anything or anything. Yeah, if you get... you see, I know exactly where you're coming from because there's nothing you can garner from spent fishing really that's going to help you in any competition, is there? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
but but you know it's a different thing in itself you know getting out late like in the evening into dark um so but but that's good to hear because then in effect you do actually have some pure pleasure fishing which is the spent yeah. fishing yeah but i know yeah, yeah. i know what you're saying there like uh i think Dara, what what we're doing is if if you have a competition two or three weeks time let's say on Loch Lean, i you know mm. i'd go to Loch Lean uh, just for a day's pleasure yes. fishing Ah, yeah, the only reason I'm there, like yourself, Sean, you know, and funny, Sean might be in the same competition, and strangely enough, I'd see Sean over in the other boat. There he is. Only a day's pleasure fishing. But do you you strike me, Sean, as, um, you know, if you don't mind me saying, you know, you're gently spoken, but there's a hard, there's obviously a hard edge there, hard competitive edge to it, like, you know, because you're thinking to yourself, well, I need to do this, or I have to get this, or I have to practice this, or I have to focus on this, because in your mind, this is what you want to do to achieve. Yeah. So it's a very important part of you, you know, that success, succeeding in the competitions. Yeah. You're not just turning up for it to be one of the numbers. Like. No, 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 no. Um, definitely. I've uh, kind of whatever competition it is, I will have a goal of where I want to come. Like, obviously, it's great to pick number one every time, but that's not realistic. You know, for every competition, I'd have a limit where I'm like, I want to be top five, top three or something like that. Um, something that I'd be happy with. Um, Where did you finish in Spain, actually? So. In Spain was 12th. Well, that was, you must have been happy with that. That was a good result. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was very happy afterwards, but also a little bit disappointed. Uh, I, I kind of let my, but I let myself down in my last session. Um, there was, I signed my card, as you sign your card with every fish, but I didn't check my controller's writing. And there's there's a little section on the control on the scorecards where you fill in, you write, sorry, you write the the length of the fish, 28 centimeters or whatever. But then you fill in these boxes of two, eight, zero. Um the controller had them all, the boxes filled in for the smallest length possible for every fish. But the scores were right there beside them saying 28, 30, whatever. Um, and I think I lost two, maybe two spots. Yeah, because you lost all the oh, extra points you would have accumulated yeah. for longer fish. It could have been top 10 then. Possibly, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, but that's, that'll never happen again. So yeah. I learned. Damn right. you know? <laughs> the, like, I don't understand why how it happened. Like, I, I can understand you not double checking or whatever. Why was your man writing in the... I don't know. Um, I don't think he was a very nice man. I don't think he was doing anything wrong himself. I think he just got mixed up. Uh, he was nice. He was controlling me. So a lot of the time your controller will, will follow you up the river and stay on the bank. He was in the river right behind me right. for a lot. And this river was up because the, the river started to rise. There was a lot of rain the last couple of sessions. But I, I don't know. I missed it. Um, and by the time we realized it was too late. <laughs> Just, that's that's frustrating. It's a bit like the golfer, isn't it? Signing yeah. their scorecard. <laughs> it's yeah, the same kind of thing. Same like, thing. I, I was going to say, I, I'm sure other anglers in other countries have done the exact same, and and been livid afterwards. But uh, it happens, mm. and once it happens once, it'll never happen again. Yeah, you'll never forget <laughs> it. Right? Yeah, never. No, I was just going to correct there. Dara touched on it there of how, and it, it spotted that you, you know, you have a steely determination, and no doubt. You know, you have goals. And what I want to ask is, because I can guess the background you came from, like you would have been fishing on Loch Ree. 
like I mm. started fishing with my dad on Loch Coral. You had to make that transition over to being, and I'm going to say this, a world-class river angler. I mean, that has to have taken a lot of commitment and a lot of determination, Michel. Yeah, I suppose it has, but I, I didn't set out with the intent of ever saying, oh, I, I want to fish rivers and I want to be whatever. Um, it just gradually happened. And I suppose I've been very lucky to be involved with a lot of good anglers on the river. I just slowly started developing my own ways and 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 fishing with good anglers on rivers. Um, you may have seen it. I mean, like we have a lot of good lock anglers in this country, and we have a lot of good river anglers too. And but for guys to make the crossover from one to the other, it it does take a fair bit of it does take a fair bit of work. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, but but as we said earlier, with with I I started them young as well, like Taffy Leinster. We're having new river qualifiers, and it was just so it's an, it's fishing. So we went, um, the club again. I think yeah. the Coos Anglers brought us, and there was a group of us, and we kind of just got into fishing. But I remember starting, and it was two hairs ears on a floating line swinging them, <laughs> you know, into the bank, um, and and that's that was it for a couple of years. And then oh, you're fishing sedges and kind of dry dropper then or you know a nymph under the sedge and it slowly just develops over time i remember i think sending an email to was it sean cassidy um who was a very very good angler um all the way through youths anyway yeah. and he emailed me back about french nymphing um and that started kind of a little thing into nymphing yeah and, and it just developed on its on itself kind of over the years I have a question for you in a second. It's just interesting what you're saying there about, you know, as kids, we were just fishing. Yeah. Um, it's, it reminds me of the story. Um, Glenda Powell, she was giving a, a lesson to my young flat down in the Dare Springs. This would have been last winter and it was windy and it was cold and rainy or whatever. Yeah. And I think I came up and made a comment kind of saying, oh, geez, you know, the wind must be tough from there. And she said, but just shut up. The kids don't notice things like that. <laughs> you know, as an adult, yeah. you know, and I just thought it was so true. As an adult, you're like, oh, the wind, the rain, the blah, 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 you know, the water temperature. Kids don't notice. They're just standing on the bank with a rod and a fly and they just fish there, you know, happy days, yeah. you know. And I think it's so true. Like, you know, you don't know any different. Um, I did want to ask you, actually, because it's interesting you mentioned about the French nymphing. Um, for yourself, and you've got worlds coming up as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you actively then, are you like scouring YouTube? Are you looking for cutting edge tactics, flies, stuff? Like, how do you, how do you push yourself on? as an angler, to, to go further at the next Worlds? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, you kind of are, you're looking at any anything you come across, I would be thinking, is, is that something I could adapt or something I could add to my own fishing that could make it better? Um, I would say online, it's kind of, it's very hard to find mm. that sort of information. There's so much. It's not online. No, <laughs> by definition. <laughs> no, there's there's so much on on there as well, uh, and it's kind of trying sure. to just to comb through everything and, and see what's real, what's not. Um, like I think even to this day, if you kind of look up an Irish river, wet flies is your best. You know, like <laughs> it'll say all your traditional wets down and across. Yeah. Uh, mm. On a lot of the websites. Mm. Um, but it is different, but. The, the best way is fishing with like-minded people and seeing, oh, he, oh, you do something a little bit different. 
with on the way you carry a rod or, or something like that. You know, it's it's little things I think can make a big difference. When when you're fishing is it's being conscious of what you're actually doing. Instead of saying, Oh, I'm going fishing, I'm gonna cast out there and hopefully fish takes me. It's actually right. I've cast there, my fly is now at this depth. It's at the bottom, oh it's too deep. You know, little things like that. It's just actually knowing what you're doing as mm. you're fishing instead of just randomly casting and, and chucking away, you know? So basically what you're yeah. saying is when a fish takes you, you know exactly mm. what you had done to put the fly or whatever to get that fish to take mm. you rather than going, why did that fish take me? Yeah. You've prepared everything beforehand. You've maybe drifted your nymph a bit more. You've maybe gone at a different angle or, you know, so, do you know what I'm saying? But you look yeah. consciously thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Just, as you're presenting if, it. Yeah. Yeah. If like, if, if you want to have a nymph bouncing on the bottom, like you, if, if you do that, you should be able to feel your rod tip bouncing with the nymph on the bottom, on the rocks. Right. Um, and if it's not, well, what what's it doing? Where is it? Is it midwater? Is it very high? You know, what's happening? Um, and it's just, it is a conscious decision of when you get to the river, it's just, right, I want to try do this and put it exactly there and see what happens. If I get a fish, I get one. Um, I know what I've done. Yeah. If I don't, I don't. You know, try something else. You've tried it. Yeah. There's a couple of other young guys, young anglers on the team as well coming up, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few. Um, Kieran Riley, he was with us in Spain. Yeah. Actually, he's a couple of years younger than me. Um, I think he's 25 at the minute. He would have been a bit younger then. The two of you are on, on next year's team in France, aren't you? Yeah. That's great. The two the two of you on the, the team together. And any other young any other young anglers? Yeah, uh, Robert Hackett. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's coming to France with us. Um, another very good angler. Of the five, the team going, there's going to be three guys in their 20s. Yeah. That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Once again, testimony to some good youth work. By Taffy, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Coming through. And Sean, will you have any goals like for the, you know, to, like win a session, you know, that kind of stuff? Like, what are you thinking? Or are you, is it too far ahead at the moment for you to be? Yeah, yeah it's probably a bit too far, but there will, I won't necessarily be win a session. I'll always be trying to win a session. But it mm. will be, I want to stay top 10 in every session or top five in every session. Because if everybody could stay, for the team could stay top 10 or top even 15, the team is going to do really well, which is the most important part of it, I think. Um, yeah, You know, better than any one individual, the team, if it, we can all just stay up high, not first or even second, up, just up top five or 10, the team will do really well. The future is bright, isn't it, Sean? In terms of you know the, the the numbers of young anglers coming through who are qualifying for the seniors, um, you know, winning medals at youths as well. Obviously, um, we yeah. Shout out to that. The three in the row. I've been in, involved with the the ITFFA youth team for fourteen years, fifteen years now. That's right. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah. I was I was on it myself for four years. Uh, I was captain of that team. I kind of was helping out for 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 years, and then I was coach of it for four years. Wait, I think the first year was in Killarney. Uh, I think Fergal McKiernan was also another coach. Uh, my dad was the manager. Um, mm. and we won gold there. Uh, the Lake Mentite, th- that was Noel Friar's first year. Um, that was no- another gold. 
Oh. Then obviously Loch Lane and then Wales just gone. So yeah, it's yeah. it they've done very, very well. Well, fair play to you for putting it back so quickly. So and that's fantastic. You know, it really is like you know, not waiting around and hanging around, but straight away you were back and uh you were helping out the other lads as well. So like that's that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's it's something I love doing. It's funny, the U team as a coach looking at it it's it's just fantastic they all work together there's nobody hiding anything there's it, it's just fantastic to watch them because at the start of the year when you get the team together nobody kind of knows anyone maybe a couple of lads have met before um and just to see them all become a team and then go over and fish well together um it's fantastic but it is an area that will it's a much bigger conversation, I think, than we can have. But it's an area that youth fishing in general, not nothing to do with teams or competitions, that just needs to be improved or something. Something has to happen, you know. Well, yeah, it's funny. It's and it's a topic we always talk about on the on the episode is in terms of just youths generally. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we get more youths involved in, in fly fishing? Sean, what's thoughts yourself? Like, obviously, you were lucky in terms of your dad, and then you had a good club. It's actually there's two elements, isn't there, Tom? Mm-hmm. I think always oh, seem to come back to in this discussion. One is usually okay, a family member might yeah. have you know brought you on and got you interested, and then usually it's a club. There's a really good club has a good youth policy, you know, very active with the youths. Um, they seem to be the two elements. But what's your thoughts on it, Sean, in terms of trying to get more young people involved? That is a million dollar question, I think. Like, that is it. It's it's what I can see. It is down to goodwill individuals getting out, getting their cousins or nieces or nephews or whoever it is into fishing and getting yeah. them out in a boat, even to the edge of a river, a lake, wherever. Um, But I would hope sometime soon maybe there needs to be I don't know a a group or a school type thing where anyone who wants to go into fishing in Ireland can can get get together and there's a big group and everybody learns and maybe it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with competition fishing it's just Mm. fishing or just fly fishing or you know somewhere it's not going to happen by itself if you get me I think the anglers, if we want to keep it going, the anglers need to kind of, we, we need to think about it better. I'd actually thought about this recently. If you look at, take hurling. Mm. People hate when you say, but it's a minority sport in the sense of mm. the counties that are successful at it, you know. And if it's really interesting. If you look back at the history of the counties and even the clubs where it was most successful, where it became embedded in the county and the communities, was driven by... Uh, individuals mm. you know so the, the individuals came in and actually a lot of times it was christian brothers schools and um, that but it was individuals who were so fanatical about the sport that they brought that fanaticism and love of hurling to the community which then became embedded within the area and then passed on to generation after generation and it's kind of a bit that kind of is, is what you're looking for isn't it? it's those kind of ambassadors those kind of fanatical kind of you know um, evangel- evangelical kind of people about the sport who want to bring it, you yeah. know, who want to see more youth, you know, who and, and it kind of takes, unfortunately, yes, you can have all the structures you want and great plans to do it, but really without the kind of um, the ambassadors driving it on or encouraging people, it, it'll be a struggle. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we're seeing um, in the numbers and that are coming up to the, the, the competitions. 
is that exact thing. It's slowly kind of fizzing out. But then if we can if we can latch onto though, Tom, um, what do you think is like we can latch onto the likes of Sean here? Because we're seeing this this um success at youth level, that's kind of come up rise up to senior level. So so Sean and the lads who are at senior level, then they can pass it on to the next generation and hopefully become self-perpetuating. Yeah, no, I I think definitely with you. And I think and, and and fair play to Sean, I just said it there. Forgotten, but Sean went straight back in, still in his early twenties, to help out the youth team. And that's fantastic. And, and what you said as well there. Never underestimate what one individual can do, you know, with regards to the hurling thing. But I'm going to ask you, Sean, and and I've just thought of that. We had Keen O'Boyle on salmon fishing. We asked Keen. Mm. Keen was, I think, what's Keen was 24. Anyway, Keen was in his 20s. And one thing he did bring up, and he certainly certain was Keen that brought it up, because we were asking about youths, and he says, well, to go fishing, like he says, for a young lad or young girl to go playing football, all they need is a pair of boots. You yeah. Know? And that's it. They cost you a pair of boots and a pair of togs. But for anybody to go fishing, you're going to have yeah. to have the gear unless your family's in it. But And maybe that's that's a stumbling block. You know? Because if you don't have a family member who's into fishing, you're not going to have the kit. And the kit is not cheap. And and you need and you need somebody to bring it with as well with the mm. kit, I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I could see it is an issue, I'd say. I don't know about further down the line whether, I don't know. It got me thinking after it, and I haven't thought of it since till you asked her, Dara. I was just about to mention it. Mm. And just wondering, should, if some of the ta- the angling organizations could operate, I don't know what the word is, not a food bank, but a tackle bank. Decent, yeah. yeah decent tackle i don't want no I, I genuinely mean this i don't mean you'd know it yourself sean you've seen some mm. pretty ancient rods we've all seen it you know pretty decent tackle that could be given to clubs or to organizations that could be used or given out given out for a season to to young anglers where they could use i don't know it's just an idea hey tom let's take up the mantle there that's, now that's tom, and... <laughs> forward and onward we go yeah but it's yeah. Be careful of that hole you're digging for yeah. yourself. <laughs> Another job for Tom Doc. Come on. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, but no, it's it's and it's funny, you you've mentioned it there, Sean. You said, you know, even with the work you put in and everything, you still see at the moment the numbers are kind of fizzling. I think we had after the win in Scotland, we did see an increase. There was a bit of a buzz back right. about getting into it, and there was a higher number than there had been at the qualifiers. Um, but then with COVID hidden and the kind of last couple of years we had there, it's back down to very low. Maybe it's only a glimpse. Maybe, maybe something was going to happen after Scotland or maybe if we put the work back in. But look, we can't stop doing the work and likes of yourself and the clubs and like, as we said there, we quoted the work done with Taffy and the work done by ITFFA, you know, both organisations bringing the youth on and you know, yeah. it has helped. It has helped. But, oh, um, definitely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, we could um, go on. We could talk about that for ages, but we'll move on. And Sean, before you go, we ask everybody who comes on the show. So I'm going to ask you now, what has been yeah. your most memorable fish on the fly, Sean? On the fly, I know it straight away. <laughs> um, <laughs> back back to spent fishing. Uh, I I used to do a lot of fishing out of a belly boat. 
Um, just because after work, getting back and getting a boat out was just, it was taking too long and I didn't have a lot of time. And I was only going, you know, I was driving, what, half an hour in a boat up the lake where I drive in a car there in 10 minutes. Um, so I had the belly boat. Uh, so I used to go down through um, fishing on Lockery, down through the forest um, at Port Lake. And there's a huge range of little inlets and bays and uh, and good fishing spots. Um, so I went out one evening and this donkey of a fish came up in front of me. And I think I spent maybe an hour chasing after him um, all over the lake. And I I had given up. I couldn't couldn't keep up with him. He was too quick. Um, and I yeah couldn't keep up with him. And I, I was kind of I was kind of sulking. I was making my way back into shore to go home. And then he pop up between me and the shore, maybe only 15 foot out from the bank. And I just happened, I, the fly was still in my hand. Um, I hadn't reeled in fully or anything. And I just dropped it in front of him. Um, and I got him, I hooked him. Um, well, about, about an hour later, still in the belly boat, in the middle of the lake. <laughs> uh, I, I had to He's towing you around. Yeah, yeah, no, he brought me out a good bit. Um, yeah. I, I had to, I, I called my dad because I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to, because I, I was trying to net him and whatever it was with the fish and the belly boat, I wasn't able to get enough leverage to actually pull him in. Um, so I called my dad um, to see if he knew was anybody else out on the lake, um, out in a boat that could come around. Uh, so he rang one of the lads uh, from the club because um, we have weekly competitions where you catch a fish and there's captains and you can bring the captain and you go weigh him in and then you let him off again. So we have keep tanks and aerators and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, so he rang one of the lads and luckily there was somebody out. They drove around, he picked up dad and then the two of them managed to pull me out of the, out of the <laughs> belly boat into the late boat and I could land them nearly straight away. Uh, it was just, I don't know what it was. I couldn't, whatever was happening with the angle and the fish and the belly boat, I couldn't <laughs> land them. Um, but it's my my biggest brownie off Lockery, uh, and he was seven pound eleven. Oh, oh, oh. Um, well done, yeah. Right. Not not look. Other people have much bigger fish, but that's my biggest yeah, that's, wild brownie. Well, that's Sean. Sure, that's hey, that's a first uh, from it a belly actually, boat. That's the first. <laughs> yes, we the belly boat hoodoo is gone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what I love about that story, Sean, as well, is that. You didn't give up that you were like, so a boat had to come get you, <laughs> pull you out of the belly boat, get you into the boat itself before you could land the fish. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. That's um, like, it must have been nearly midnight by the time this is all finished. Because <laughs> uh, it was when I when I was going, I was paddling back in. Um, it was because the light was gone. I couldn't I could hardly see. So I was like, this is home time. Um, and just luckily where the moon was was uh, there was enough light to see him pop up in front of me well yeah that's definitely the the mem most memorable fish absolutely really? that's, that's <laughs> a brilliant story absolutely brilliant Sean Dempsey um, thanks a million for joining us continued success in your uh, world's career we'll keep an eye out for you uh, in the next two France and the Czech Republic you said and um and as well, continued success for your pleasure fishing and thanks very <laughs> on much. rivers and lakes. As well. But Sean, thanks again for joining us. No bother at all. It's been a pleasure. Our thanks to Sean Dempsey for joining us on the show. 
Don't forget to rate, review and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. 